Welcome to another episode of Trap Talk. Today, we have our co-host, Ricky Marshall, and guest host, Zach Bryant. And we have the pleasure of speaking with uh, 10-time ring winner, Pat Lamont. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thank you for having me. Introducing uh, Pat, we have his friend, Zach Bryant. Uh, Zach, tell us a little bit about Pat and his accomplishments shooting trap. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's my pleasure to introduce Pat here today. Pat is a six-time All-American, one of those being junior and five of those being the, the open team. A couple of years, it looks like you didn't make it, Pat, but I think those were a lot due to the COVID years and just travel restrictions. Pat has 200 from the 27-yard line, and as Zach mentioned, 10 uh, Grand America ring. One handicap, one doubles, two singles, three of the all-arounds, and three of the high overalls. Um, and he's only been to one satellite grand uh, in his career, and that was to Tucson last year. And he won both the HAA and HOA while he was there last year. And then just kind of looking at some of Pat's impressive average numbers here. Pat, you've held averages and singles well over 99 for, well, as far as the first page goes. and Averages in the handicap of 95 plus, some years being over 96, the last couple of years uh, being over a 96% average. Uh, and then obviously, again, very high on the devil's averages. But comparative to a lot of shooters, Pat, kind of rolls me in my first question that we have for you today is your uh, target count of registered targets isn't as high as a lot of other shooters that maybe are on the All American team on a year by year basis. And that doesn't discredit your abilities at all. But my question would be is how do you continue to be able to perform at this level when you do show up to these shoots? Is there a lot of practice that you're doing uh, behind the scenes that a lot of people aren't seeing? See, our years are short. Being in Manitoba, we basically start shooting when the snow melts. It's it's May, <laughs> eh, about middle of May, generally we get out and start shooting. So we basically practice May to June. And then once trap shooting season starts, shooting the, you know, thousand targets a weekend or whatever it is, you just don't have a chance to practice much. You know, like go to the shoot, come home on Sunday, have to work Monday, Tuesday, and then we take off again Wednesday. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to get any more targets in than, than I do. That's, that's crazy to think of that. I, I figured you'd have to be banging a little bit more as impressive as you shoot. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't live up in an ice mountain in Canada either. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you guys have a, you know, it's a good opportunity for you guys being close to big shoots, uh, you know, warmer weather. See, that's the other thing is that I have to travel so far. So, I mean, that's, that's restricting how many shoots get to go to, too. You know, we got North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota nearby, being to Nebraska once, but I mean, Nebraska was a 15 hour drive. It's, it's hard to get to big shoots in the part of the world where I am. I was going to ask one more question in regards to that, Pat, is, is there anything you're doing in the off season that's maybe not officially shooting at targets, but are you doing anything as far as gun mounts at home or helpful things with doing like in your mental game, those types of things? Honestly, I wish I had a better answer for you, but no, <laughs> you know, I, I think about it. I don't know if that does anything for the mental game. I mean, it's a huge part of my life. I mean, I'm thinking about trap shooting often, but as far as putting the putting the gun up or you know doing any gun mounts, pointing at the wall or anything, maybe once or twice during the off season, just to you know just to hold the gun again, just to you know remember what it's like. But really, that's about it. Pat, do you do anything before the big shoot? So, like last year was your first time coming to the Spring Grand. 
So did you mentally prepare for that shoot? Did you just show up and and shoot a little practice there uh, before the shoot started or kind of run us through what you did to, to get ready for that shoot? I had never been to spring ground in the past. To be honest, the reason was because I thought, you know, I'm going to show up and shoot terrible. I just, you know, didn't know what was going to happen. Well, after COVID, after not shooting for a couple of years, I figured here's a chance. So, I mean, my dad, myself, and uh, Paul Adriansen all traveled down there together. I didn't plan to shoot the Saturday. I shot one round of practice at about, I don't know, 9.30. And shot it fine and figured, well, maybe, you know, we'll see if see if we can get in the singles. Well, got down to the singles on the last squad, or the last flight out, laid for the squad, <laughs> and ended up basically rushing up to shoot. And it was surprisingly, uh, you know, felt it felt normal. It didn't feel like start of the season. I mean, normally the start of the season, it's so cold. Like, you, you know, you're wearing a jacket, it's windy, your nose, your eyes are running. <laughs> it's it's a little different down there in Tucson. Yeah, no, definitely. Tucson, the weather can be – we have had snow in the past there in February a few times. <laughs> so, But yeah. usually the weather's, you know, pretty decent. Looking at your averages and stuff, since 2004 – You've averaged 99 in singles every year but two years. So do you consider yourself a better single shooter than everything else? I mean, you're a deliberate shooter. You know, I've shot off against you multiple times. You're, you're very impressive. I mean, you're 37 years old. You're getting inducted to the, the Hall of Fame next year for the ATA, which is a one of the biggest accomplishments. And I think – I think you're the the youngest to be inducted in the ATA Hall of Fame. I think prior was Britt Robinson, and he was 40, and that was years ago. You've won 10 rings, which is very impressive. I mean, I'm happy. I've won four. I mean, I've been runner-up, I don't know, 300 times and stuff. But when you come to the grand, it's like you turn another level on. Is there? Can you explain that to our listeners? I love shooting at the ground. It's so easy to get up for big shoots, especially when you don't get to go to very many. The competition factor, the the targets, the background, being completely away from everything else and simply focusing on shooting. I look forward to it every year. I, I just get up for it. I love shooting the ground. So, Pat, I mean, obviously, you've had a, a pretty lengthy career, a very successful one. The listeners want to know how you got started. You know, what was that like? What's shooting like in Canada in general? I mean, are there a lot of rules and restrictions? It Was it mostly done up there? Or did you have to come into the States to register a lot of your birds? Well, you can shoot in Canada. Our provincial, for example, has got 45 people at it, maybe. So it gives you an idea of the size. So, it, yeah, really, it's not a whole lot different in the States. How did I get started? I grew up basically around guns. My dad owned a gun store from uh, oh, from before when I was born. I was out of the gun club, you know, pulling, setting targets. I basically started shooting when I was, I think it was 10, standing behind the trap. I had an old uh, 870-20 gauge. We set the targets on straightaways and just basically, you know, stood right up against the trap and shot five, 10 targets at a time. Started shooting, yeah, just club shooting, maybe... I think it was 11 or 12 and first started shooting registered when I was 12. And at um, what age did you start to see some success? I was shooting decent 
singles and, and work my way back in handicap uh, until I was about, well, I guess, 15. When I was 15, uh, it was in the spring, and this is actually how I got my gun. My dad uh, had ordered a gun for himself. He picked it up, you know, felt okay. But I guess you know, the story goes, he got, he got thinking, you know, Pat doesn't have a gun. He's, you know, I, I was shooting my BT-99 well, but my doubles are never any good. My doubles, I don't think I'd ever broken nine with my Satori. If I, you know, maybe a good combo would, uh, would be more beneficial for me than for him. So basically I picked up that gun. He says, well, what do you think? He said, oh, I don't know. It feels pretty good. I think I like it. Went out and shot, and I think I shot 25 first round or 24. I, I don't remember. But it uh, basically took off from there. So from there, my, my singles average bumped up a little bit, but my doubles went up by 10 birds. Is the gun that you are speaking of the same gun that you're shooting today? Yeah. So, so we set it up when I was 16. I haven't touched it since. So, I mean, for the listeners, just to kind of resonate on that, 37 years old, you've been shooting this gun for 20 years and you haven't touched it once. So no. you you know exactly where this thing is. I mean, that, it's like the back of your hand. Feels like it. It feels a lot different when you pick something else up, especially being left-handed. So, so when you were equipped with that gun and you were working up the ranks in the ATA, back then, what were you doing to practice? Did you do a lot of station work? Were you, you know, doing a lot of, uh, you know, I guess drills at that time, or was it just shooting here and there and just got better over 20 years? Well, a lot of that, but geez, I remember this is going way back now. But we used to shoot what we call five by fives, which is just straightaways from post three, straightaways on post five, straightaways on post one, and then just go shoot, uh, shoot around afterwards. That was years and years ago. I think basically since I was about 16, it was just shooting regular, a regular round. But getting out, like our club is open Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. We get out basically whenever. It's a small enough club. You can, that's when we're open, but I mean, we can shoot whenever. Aren't you the president of your local club? Yeah. So you're pretty heavily involved in the, in the shooting sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a, it's a small club. I mean, all of us, all of us pitch in. I mean, there's not really anything I'm doing that anyone else isn't run the meetings. But I mean, that's, that's about it. We, we share the responsibilities. Now, do you have a youth program up there at all? Yeah. Manitoba Junior Shotgun Association. And unfortunately it's small. I mean, I, I, I look in Minnesota where they have the 8,000 kids in the, in the high school program. Like it's, it's so different. Ours, we have, you know, five to 10. We looked at, we looked at uh, uh, advertising schools and it just, it wouldn't fly. They're not big on the the you shooting up there. Or... And it's not that anyone's anti-gun. It's just yeah. a different reality down, uh, you know, down the States. You know, you cross the border. We're 60 miles north of the border. You cross in North Dakota. It's it's a different world. It just is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, here in Nebraska, where, where I grew up shooting and so did, you know, Zach Bryant, you know, our youth program this year, well, 2023, I think is going to be our 54th year of a high school collegiate program started as a college program uh back you know 50 some years ago and we've we've got about 27 2800 kids 
every year. We're just kind of maxed out, you know, on the, the way it's run. But yeah, it's a great program and it keeps the kids going. You know, we'd like to see more of that in, in other places, especially up in Canada. And we try to build it. I mean, we're working on it. The whole Manitoba Trapster Association is, uh, you know, we're trying to build it. We're trying to bring youth into the sport. We're trying to bring everyone into the sport. So, Pat, kind of along with, um, you know, the distance that you have to travel to get to a lot of the shoots down here and where you've placed on the, the open team each year, kind of have a, a question that ties into that is you're consistently finishing on that open first team. And most years, you're not getting seven shoots. For the listeners that aren't aware, you, you can have up to seven shoots uh, for that eight, uh, AKA All-American team to use in your points total. But oftentimes, you're having maybe three or four, and then you have the grand on kind of an average typical year, which means that you really need to perform when you show up for these shoots. And you go on some obviously very impressive long runs. What things do you do to stay mentally focused while you're shooting, while you're out there on the line? Are there, are there things that are going through your head uh, that can, you know, some of our listeners could maybe try and benefit from? I focus on every target. I mean, every target is, is the most important thing at the time. I don't care if it's a small shoot, a big shoot. It, you have to pay attention to every target. As far as what's going through my head, <laughs> it's, I'm not that technical. I'm really not. <laughs> What's in my head? I got a song in my head all the time. I've <laughs> I've had the same song in my head as I'm shooting competition for probably, I don't know how many years, 10 years. And it's just a little snip. And it just, I don't know. It, it seems to, you know, almost bring me, bring me back to where I need to be as I call for the target. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking deep breaths in and out. Basically, when I mount my gun, the same I, I'm at the same place every time before I call for the target. All the uh, the people that we've interviewed, you know, Keith Ditto, Joey Charnago, you know, some of the top shooters, everybody does the same thing. And that's what, you know, when I teach people, I'm always telling them and tell the listeners, if you do the same thing over and over and it's correct, you're going to get the same result, which is good. If you're doing something that, you know, is wrong, you're going to get the bad result you know you're talking about having a song in your head and that's similar to what like i tell people is to have a catchphrase you know that way it's that same thing you're thinking about and it's not it, the dish is done or did i leave something at the camp or did it, you gotta be on each target you know not breaking 25 you can't be thinking about the 25th one and you've shot the first one and you've had like zach brynan said You've had a lot of great success at the Grand, as we've said earlier, you know, 10 rings. You came to the Spring Grand. You won the HAA, the HOA. You're coming back again this year. I saw on, on pre-squad that yeah. you're, you're squatted. Now, do you shoot any other games? Do you shoot some sporting? Do you shoot some ski? I do. Uh, again, it's such a short season, so it's tough. But we shoot skeet, basically shoot skeet in the spring when it's when it's cold and you don't want to shoot trap, we'll go shoot skeet. And then after trap shooting, generally shoot, I don't know, maybe 10 rounds of skeet or something like that. I love shooting sporting clays. If we could shoot more sporting clays, I would. But same thing, that's spring and fall. When it's trap shooting season, I'm I'm just shooting trap. Okay. You don't shoot anything else? You don't when you're just shooting during trap season? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, kind of interesting. 
Pat, you would say, like, for example, when you come to the Grand, you're not going to spend any time going over to the sporting clay course, even on three limb days of messing around with that at all. During trap season, you're only going to focus on shooting a trap target. Every now and again, if I'm having problems with angles, we'll go shoot around the skeet. Shoot a couple rounds of skeet, just because you got more gun movement. So, I mean, I, I think that that maybe helps, but I don't want to mix it up too much. It looks like a nice course. So I'd love to go try it someday, but I mean, it'd be after after the shoot when you got to drive 24 hours to get back home. So it's <laughs> it's tough. We can yeah, definitely do it. Absolutely. Yeah, we, wow. we can make it happen. Yeah, uh, with you guys, you beat up on me. I, don't even know, what, I know exactly what had happened. <laughs> it's the only way we're going to uh, get in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Ricky, I want to go back to something you said about uh, about the pre-shot. And yeah. I mean, just a discussion. I'm certainly not going to dispute uh, dispute what works. But I avoid a catchphrase because to me, a catchphrase is still a thought. If you put your gun up and you're always saying, you know, see it, shoot it. And it's worked for thousands of guys. I get that. Yeah. I just, I try to avoid that. I don't like anything in my head just because even a positive thought is still a thought. It still pulls you away from that target. See, with me, I let my eyes tell me when to call. Not so much, you know, a catchphrase or a, the, the song in my head, which, which again, I guess the song in my head is a thought, but it's so mindless. <laughs> I let my eyes tell me when to call. I basically put the gun up, set my eyes, and it's almost like, you know, what I see out there when I see what I'm supposed to, I call, you know, it's almost, I wouldn't call it a timing thing, but it's just, I let my eyes tell me when to call. Yeah. You're and everybody's different. Everybody's wired different. You know, it's like when I teach people, you know, lessons, I don't say, okay, you're going to shoot like this and you're going to stand exactly like this. We all have to have our, I call it our comfort zone. So with that, it's, you know, okay, this is how I stand and I've worked at it. And this is kind of what I do. But here's what I'd like you to try. Uh-huh. And if it doesn't work, we're going to adjust accordingly. And, and that's a good thing is everybody's different where if we all tried to shoot like one individual, it just, you know, doesn't work. You know, my coach and mentor was Frank Hoppy. Frank held a high gun and shot with a four foot high hole point. And here I was, one of his, you know, students. And everybody's like, well, Rick, you're holding on the house. I'm like, yeah, that works for me. It works. Yeah, absolutely. It, and that's where you want now your whole point. To me, you look, are you more of a level kind of gun guy or? I think so. I mean, I don't feel like I'm holding that awful high. Like in, in singles, I may be holding a foot over the trap and it's a bit of an arch. Like post three would be the highest. Okay. Handicap, I'm, I feel like I'm maybe one to two feet. I probably raise my, my gun up a little bit in the handicap, which I know is backwards what a lot of guys do. But I've heard oftentimes, well, you're holding the gun way up in the air. I think it's because where I'm looking, I'm looking down at the at the front bead. Like my gun, well, my gun shoots high and probably 20 inches high, and I see a pile of space between the beads. So what I see is a foot to two feet over the trap. I think my gun is actually pointed up higher than that. Okay. So you're at 20 inches, which is you're probably 120% point impact. Yeah. Do you I adjust just, your impact at all, or is you just leave it there the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Singles, handicap, uh, doubles. It's in the same notch. I squeeze my my cheek down a little bit more in in doubles, or maybe a little bit lower on my shoulder. So I think it flattens the rib out at 
a couple inches or it flattens my point of impact out a couple inches, but yeah, everything's about the same. So you're shooting the, the Parazi MX, uh, 2000 RS. Is it, is it, what's your, your configuration? Uh, for notches? No, uh, barrel links, 3430. Oh, uh, 32, 32 over and under and 34, uh, on single. Okay. And it's about 30, 32 thousands for my singles. And I think it's 28 and 18 for doubles. So, I mean, not incredibly tight chokes, just good chokes. Uh, and, and is that barrel work? Did you have Wilkinson do it or anything? Wilkinson, like that? yeah, he backboard, he backboard my barrels. Backboard it, choke it and, and make it tuned to your shells. There's no choke, like it's just a factory choke. It's a factory choke. It's a factory stock. And again, the stock was actually set up. My dad had ordered it for himself. It's not a custom stock. I just got the coal moved over. You just got it where it fits you for the last 20 years. You've been banging this thing. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned something earlier that I really wanted to step back on. You said you let your eyes tell you when it's time to call pull. Yeah. And you said when you see it, that's when you say, okay, I'm ready. If you could describe in your words, what are you trying to see? Is it getting my eyes to a certain distance out there? Is there a certain amount of space that you're looking at left or right? Is it, you know, a soft focus, a tight focus? You know, in your best words, how would you describe it to someone that doesn't know? And again, it's so tough to describe because, you know, I've tried before. And again, just not being that technical, it's tough. But basically what I see, I think that, called the blurriness of my front bead almost helps me what the depth is. I couldn't tell you if I'm looking a hundred yards out there, right at the lip of the trap. If I were to guess, it'd be I don't know, somewhere around the, I don't know, 10 yards out in front, maybe. I think it's a soft focus, but you know, zeroed in, zeroed in where the target's going to come out in that, in that window where the target's going to come out. I look through the barrel. I want to see that target come out as it leaves the trap. So again, if I'm holding it up high, I'm not necessarily looking down, but I I just what I see it is just through the barrel. You look above it. Uh, do I look above it? I, I think I just look straight through. And Pat, you're a one-eye shooter, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought you put chapstick or something on your glasses at one point when nope. we've shot together. No, nope, I put it right here because I got that ledge on my stock. I put it just on. Oh, okay, so you're you're full two-eye shooter then. Okay. Yeah. I, I also put and it here, looking... here because I, I put my face, you know, I, I, I get the stock right up, right up basically in my jaw and then push down. I'm not right at the, you know, right in my cheek. Okay. Pat, just think, you know, if you look at the screen, <clears throat> there's the phone number for Winnig. <laughs> we, you, it, know, you know, I can get you hooked up <clears throat> with Winnig. guys there. I mean, just think what you would do if you shot a, a stock to pitch you. <laughs> you may never miss. And it won't be. Uh, no more chapstick. I have another gun. I ordered another gun a couple years ago. So I do have a backup just in case. It's got a stock for me, but I still, I like the you, old one. You you go back to old trusty, we call it. Old faithful. Old faithful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So earlier you mentioned your hold points and you said it was kind of an arc where it's highest at post three, lower at post one, post two. It, is that what you're doing? You're you're moving the hold point based on where you are in the field, more yeah. like a half moon crescent? Yep. And I actually, I hold inside on post five. It just seems to let me pick up the target basically well, as it comes out, lets me pick it up a little quicker. So and more, more of the straightaway? Uh, yeah, I'm probably, I don't know, between the front and the back corner. 
probably in, the, in in that middle section on the side of the trap house is where you're at, which is about a foot and a half to two feet off the front lip. If we're looking, yeah, I'm probably, I'm pro yeah, I'd be around there, probably about a foot in. And you're just looking straight, and then you get that straight away, and you dirt ball it, and it cuts left. Your eyes cut left. It sounds like to me, and and for the listeners, you just you mount the gun. When it feels right, you call pull. You don't get into the thinking, and that's that's the difference from a top shooter like Pat and, and just the average average guys put the gun up and they're thinking, they're okay. Well, is this going to be right here? Uh, uh, and then they do it. That is the time to do that is when you practice. Sure. And then when you get into the competition, you want to go, okay, this is where my, this is my whole point. You already have it already set up. And you, if you're thinking about something, like you said, a thought, then that blurs everything. Absolutely. You got to go up confident knowing that what you're doing is going to work. Mm -hmm. And exactly your point, Rick, you, you got to work all that stuff out in practice and then basically just go up and do it. I, it makes such a difference if you're, Call it confident. I guess you know you're you're not questioning what you're doing. Yeah. Anytime you start second guessing yourself, that's when the misses start coming in, or the that nervous feeling of like, you know, what's going on here? What, what you know? That's when I always tell people step back to the basics and just go. Yeah. Trust yourself. That's the biggest thing I tell all shooters. If you trust yourself, you're gonna break more targets. It's when you start that thinking process, it doesn't work. For another question for you, and I ask everybody this, what are your goals in shooting? Do you have short-term goals, long-term goals, the bucket list goals, you know, the goals that each shoot? You know, can you uh, tell the listeners kind of that? Every year, and this is a little bit different, I listen to your podcast. I know that you say you're about wins more than average. I, I like to shoot for an average. Okay. I think that the wins come with it. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, if you can routinely keep that high average, the wins basically come with it. At the start of the year, that's always, I don't have, I don't have a number. I don't have a number that I want to, uh, to get to, but that's kind of a, you know, through the year goal. I like to maintain, I like to maintain that average. Another goal of course is grand American rings. That's, I mean, I think it's everyone's goal every year. I like to like to get to grand ring. I mean, those are basically my main goals. Do you have a, I mean, so you're going on the Hall of Fame. So that had to have been one of your goals, you know, possibly in the back of your head. Shooting is like, I know we don't think about it, but it's it's kind of lingering there. But is there any other like big goals that you have that you're looking to achieve? See, and I agree with you about the Hall of Fame. It's I don't know if I would say it was a goal because I really have no control over that. My goals are, I guess, things that I can control. Yeah, big goals. Well, I guess ultimately <laughs> the biggest goal would be to have more rings than Leo. I mean, <laughs> that and that's a that's a pretty lofty goal. <laughs> yeah, he he has twenty seven is what the big L uh, you know ended up winning before you know he passed and and uh, you know I was fortunate to shoot quite a bit with Leo, never at the Grand but a lot of the other shoots and we'd talk about it, you know, here and there. And I was fortunate to see his impressive collection of, of rings. And, you know, most of them I could get on my thumb and they still twirled around, <laughs> you know, but now, you know, Zach Bryant didn't say you are only the second person 
in the history of the Grand to win all five championships. You know, with KOE being the first one to do that, and and K actually um, achieved that feat by winning the Grand American Handicap back in 2006 at the first Grand in Sparta. And the reason I know that is I was in that shoot off, <laughs> and I I was fortunate I broke 99 with I think there was 11 of us with K after watching the other traps, because I'd kind of, my eyes wander when I'm shooting till it's my turn. And, and I noticed everybody missed, but one person. And when we got done, I said to Kay, I said, well, you got a 50, 50 shot of winning. And he said, how do you know that? He calls me Richie. How do you know that Richie? And I said, well, I was watching the other traps and he went, huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but, and, and like I said, I've been in the shoot offs with you at the grand going back to you know this grand in 2022 we shot the clay target i think uh, about every round together i I can still remember your last target um (laughs) when when you were on post one and drew a a hard left and you took just a micro piece just a little one and you looked over at me and i was like you got it and then i shot (laughs) i'd already missed but it was funny people we, we got done and people that night when we were finished watching you the next night, because as ended, that was at 200, asked me, what, what was going on out there? And I said, well, I just made sure Pat, you know, he, he got that target. And and that goes to a question is, we get this a lot in shooting, is people watch you shoot and everything. And and I always tell people, if you if you break the target, you get the target. If you don't, take it away. And that's what a couple guys were like, why would you, why would you call that target? And I said, he broke it. I, I mean, you get the target. Plain and simple. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, there it's integrity. And I mean, it goes both ways. Like, I mean, if if I miss a target, I'm gonna turn around and say I missed it. There's a lot of reputations that can be, you know, tarnished by not doing that. And I mean, your integrity is worth more than a trophy. It is. Absolutely. Here's the other thing. If you look at the top guys, the difference between, you know, maybe a Ricky Marshall and a Pat Lamont and, you know, someone else that's right there might be one or two targets in a week, right? It's not like it's, you know, we're beaten by 20 birds or 30 birds or 40 birds with the top guys. And so you get a top guy and he's taking a target here and there. I mean, that is, that's, I mean, that's everything. No. And, and the target's you know, huge. It's, it's huge. It's and it's a game of on a thousand birds, you're winning by one or two, or and I've even seen it where it's all tied up after a thousand birds, and we're going out there and we're we're, we're bringing barrels, and you know it's like this game is is getting to a point where there's so many people at the top fighting over their slots. Leading into this question, Pat, what are the things that separate you from the crowd? I mean, to edge out those one or two birds, and and when you do miss, because it's not very often. You know, do you just shake that off and keep going? Or, or I mean, what's the thought when one finally misses and you're like, oh, crap, right? Or or you're not like, oh, crap. It's just, oh, I missed. I think what separates a good shooter from a great shooter, the guys all have the mechanics. They can all hit targets. It's the mental game. It has to be. I mean, I think that's the, you know, whether, whether it be any sport, golf, for example, every one of those guys can hit the ball. But, I mean, there's there's that little – there's a mental edge for sure. When I miss one, and this has kind of changed a little bit over the years, I've been to enough shoots where, you know, tough conditions, whatever it is, you miss a target, and then you start thinking, you know, what am I doing out 
here? Why, you know, why, why am I, why am I doing this? It's raining, it's cold, whatever. And you start to just miss more and more. You go back to the score sheet and you look and you see that everyone shot bad because I mean, everyone's shooting the same conditions. And you think, well, if I could have got one or two more targets, this would have made, this would have made the difference. I look back at, and I'll probably get this wrong, but it was Sean Hawley winning in the overall in whatever year it was. He had a big lead. And I remember he had missed, I think he shot an 89 or something in the last handicap. You are correct. And he hit a 25 his last round. And he won that overall by, I think it was one target. And that, you know, it resonated with me. I thought, you know, that's exactly what he was going through. Would have had a tough first three rounds. Hit that last box and thought, you know, <laughs> there, there's two ways this, this can go. So, I mean, yeah, he shot 25, won the overall. So, I mean, I, I think that speaks volumes to not giving up. Yeah, that's that's a big thing that I think our listeners got to realize is, and I, and I tell people all the time, you don't want to turn a bad post into a bad round, a bad round into a bad event, and a bad event into a bad day. I think the big difference too, like I look at, you know, saying singles, guys say, well, I missed a target while I'm, you know, I'm done. I don't look at it that way because there's still the overall, there's still the all around, and there's still your average. Those things keep me going after I miss a target. I'm not thinking, well, you know, it's, it's done because there's still things to shoot for. Yeah, absolutely. Staying laser focused all the way through and not giving up. And as you said earlier, hundred percent focus on the next target. Absolutely. Now, now you, you look like someone I've watched you shoot a lot, Pat, a lot of shoot offs where I'm in the background, not in the shoot off and you're out there banging them up. And, 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 what I can see is flawless execution from when you touch the gun to when it hits your face repetition, like anyone I've ever seen, like you're, you're almost like a robot out there. Is that something that you've worked at or is that something that just kind of naturally happens? So my pre-shot routine, I'm assuming <laughs> is, is kind of what, what we're getting at too. And absolutely. I mean, it's a, Valid question. Um, I do it. It it helps me. It basically brings me to the same spot every time. I've tried to shorten it. I've tried doing things different. I've been in shootoffs where I don't call it uncomfortable, and I thought, you know, I got to speed up, and it basically it doesn't work. So I mean, it works for me. I, I don't do it intentionally. I've never done it intentionally. Never done it to screw anyone up, for example. But uh, it's just what I do. And I think to your point, Zach, it, it brings me to the same point every time so that you can be focused. You can be where you need to be when you call for the target. I think I think in saying that, you know, really for the listeners, it's got to be the same every time. And your process was obviously working for you. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't try to shorten it up for the fact that you're worried about it. I mean, if it's working, <laughs> why mess with it, right? But I think so many people get on a squad and, and they get into that squad rhythm, squad drama, where it's yeah. like, oh, I can't shoot with so-and-so because he's doing this or he's doing that. And and are they ready when they call pull? And I think so many people are not ready when they call pull. I completely agree. And I mean, I encourage people not to ever, you know, get in a squad rhythm where they feel like they have to change the way that they shoot. And I, I know that there's guys that, that don't shoot with me or don't want to shoot with me. I mean, that's fine. I mean, everyone can shoot their own targets and I got no issue with that. I have no issue shooting on a fast squad either. I mean, it doesn't, uh, doesn't bother me at all. Shoot with anyone. 
at, at the Grand, where we shot the Clay Target off, we, we shot a lot of rounds together. And I followed you. Yeah. You know, and I've had people ask me, they're like, ah, you know, because I've shot a lot with you, you know, in shoot-offs. We've never really shot in a, I don't think we've ever shot a, an event together, but a lot of shoot-offs. And you have sped up a little bit from years ago. Oh, yeah. But, you know, people are like, well, does that, I said, listen, as long as the guy shoots when it's his turn, shoots his target, I don't care what you're doing. It don't bother me. And I shoot on a lot of fast squads. I mean, I shoot with Nanini quite a bit. Shoot with Zach Bryant quite a bit. And we can, if we get on a squad, we can roll. But there's been times in the past, I mean, I've had injuries to my arm, wore braces, and and had to slow down, not because I wanted to. Physically, I had to. So I always tell people, shoot when it's your turn. When you're ready, you paid for the targets. You call when it's your turn. If you're not ready, put the gun down and start over. And that's where, you know, a lot of people get worried that they get caught up in that because you can get caught up in a rhythm of a squad that will affect you. You know, we're watching you. You do the same thing over and over. You break your target, move on. I've shot with you, Pat, quite a bit. I think that we met at the Minnesota State shoot back in 2017 or 18. And I've probably since then about probably two shoots a year we've squatted and shot the entire thing together and back to what you do is the same every single time. I mean, I've, I definitely observe you as we've shot together from watching the trap before we get started to getting out to the line, you know, your pre-shot of just before the round starts and then every single shot between each post, everything's the exact same, which is obviously I think something that is very important for your great success, but wouldn't say that it's a a slow squad when we shoot together most of the you know when i'm shooting with pat i notice you kind of get after you've ejected your shell and put your new shell in you've kind of started your process to getting ready for your shot and you can kind of tell when shooting you're not really worried about you know anybody else who misses a target and yeah you're you're watching other people's targets in the event that you know, someone chips one and it's called wrong but you don't, it doesn't affect your process at all. If there's a miss or a hiccup in the squad, you just do the exact same thing when it gets to be your turn. Uh, and I think that that is important for any of us in the shooting world to really, you know, be focused on our ourselves and not so much about what's going on with the guy standing next to us uh, on the other post. Sure it is. And I think you can really only only worry about what you can control. I mean, and that basically sums it up. I mean, anything else you're worried about is going to affect your shooting. And Pat, I'll be honest with you. You ever want to shoot together? We can we can shoot every shoot. I can. I mean, I just use Nanini as filler material, so you can jump on. I mean, <laughs> I'm easily replaceable. I was going to say, as athletic as me and Ricky are, you know, we're always succumbing to these injuries. That's why we've got to slow down a little bit. But but you know, no, no. Nanini. Nanini, your injury was because you were, according to Rich Bullard, you were chasing a meatball down the road. Before we get out of here, is there any one piece of advice that you'd like to give to, to newer shooters up and coming? Like the one thing that you would tell them to focus on uh, if they want to become better? That's tough. A brand new shooter, go out and have fun. I mean, basically just, just learn it. Someone a little bit more experienced, and it'll take some experience to understand it, but 
to see the target. I mean, everyone's going, of course, I see the target. Yep. Well, there's a difference between, you know, simply seeing the target go out there and actually really locking onto and focusing on and really seeing it. That to me, and that's probably as difficult to, I guess, quantify, but I mean, that's, that's a huge piece of advice to just, you know, make sure you see the target. Is there anything that Rick or Zach, you want to ask Pat before we get out of here today? Yeah. So Pat, I got a question. Is there any shoots in your area that you'd like to see better attended by, from us down in the States? The Brandon Gun Club has got the Canadian Championships coming up in June 28th to July 2nd next year. Brandon Manitoba Gun Club, we got six, well, we have, we have 10 traps. Great place to shoot. Encourage everyone to come up. Coming from the States, you basically, I think you pay 25 bucks at the border. It's a simple process to, to bring your gun in. Only problem is that I got to go shoot off against you up there, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> do you have Do you have like non-resident trophies for yeah, you? Got you got something? You got like the non-Canadian trophy for? Yeah, that we got open. Here. We got open. You can win up here too. So, it, it, Pat, it, it's been a pleasure. Is there anybody that you'd like to thank, sponsors, people, before we get out of here today? Friends, family, uh, certainly. I mean, my dad, who's you know been my coach, travel with him everywhere gets to talk trap shooting with them i mean where we are it's you just don't have a whole lot of people to talk about it with so yeah absolutely him if it weren't for him i wouldn't be traveling i wouldn't be you know wouldn't be shooting i wouldn't be where i am now put it that way so so yeah that's uh that's about it well thank you we uh perfect we, we would like to thank our show sponsors obviously remington arms uh for doing what they do every day and winning stock works the guys down there bobby and luke and everybody else working bill uh, check them out. Give them a chance. Uh, right behind Ricky, you could see their address in there. Yeah, I, I kind of like it better with you out of the way, Ricky. It looks good. But <laughs> you know, Zach, it, it's okay. So it, I still love you. Thanks for a great episode. So much information, Pat. We'd love to have you on again. You're you're just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure the shooters are going to get a lot out of this episode. There was so much. I'm going to listen to it and decompress and think about it because I've even taken some things away that I'm like, oh, I need to work on that. So uh, really, really, really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Pat. Stay warm up north. <laughs> you got yeah. it. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks, guys.